You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Sneaky, loaded, Monday, November 29th. Jack McMullen, NBA Sixth Man of the Year, Aram Layton. Uh, we're recording in scary hours. It's 1.14 as I hit the record button. 1.14 a.m., not p.m., by the way, for all you sad saps who think we're soft. No, we're recording when it's dark outside and when we should be both sleeping. And that's my fault, Aram, and I'm sorry about that. It's okay, dude. It's okay. You know, some of us are dedicated to, to just baseball. Yeah. And uh, I know you, you had some women's hoops that needed calling. Um, yeah. And, you know, some things take priority. But you happen to do this on the busiest day ever in hot stove history of all time. So at least we have plenty to talk about. It was a whirlwind. I started writing an article in the middle of the article that the more stuff happened, I just published it and was just like, screw it. I'll publish another one after that. And then more stuff happened. So this has been nuts. I was in Houston with Ball State women's basketball for an invitational tournament. We we get on the flight from Houston. And when I check Twitter before I've got to throw my phone on airplane mode. And yes, I still do throw my phone on airplane mode. I don't just wait for the LTE bars to go away. When I put my phone on airplane mode, last check of Twitter said Max Scherzer could sign in the next couple of days. And then I get off the flight and I take my phone off airplane mode and I see $42 million annually for Max Scherzer over three years from the New York Mets. I'm like, how did this all like I was still hung up on the Lincoln Riley thing from earlier yesterday. uh, And here I am now at 11:20 Eastern looking at Max Scherzer and saying, "Wait, this 40-year-old is going to be making 42 million bucks." And by the way, Michael Lorenzen just signed a two like a deal to be a two-way player with the Angels and like I also forgot today Marcus Semyon just signed a deal and so did Kevin Gosman and like I there's just so much shit. It made my brain want to explode. Um but I got to walk you through my I I'm running on fumes because of the stove. I I texted you this, but I gotta just recycle it f- for the sake of you know me having a good joke for once in a very long time. Um, I said I am running off the fumes coming from the stove, the gas yes. stove. Right? Everybody get that? They think that's yeah. a fun joke. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, 
but you know, I'm I'm sitting there just perusing Twitter. I've got to get this Uber back from the Indy airport to where I live. And the Uber pulls up. It's like your party Uber. You know, we had the Candyman in Syracuse where he had a bunch of strobe lights in the backseat and he had like every candy assortment you could pick out. Did you ever have the Candyman on Uber? Yeah, I had him a couple of times. I feel like it's a really good starting point to a horror movie, though. Yeah, it's a really good starting point to a horror movie. I, I get in and I'm thinking, oh, this guy's got a purple strobe light. Like, all right, this is going to be interesting. And I I close the door and I'm like, wow, this car reeks of six. Just absolutely reeks. And he turns around, he puts his hand on the other headrest and says, hey, man, you got a gas station by your place? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. He said, all right, uh, I think I'll make it to your destination before I have to fill up, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, I am monitoring his gas meter. It says like 34 miles to empty, and my trip is 33.8 when we start going. And I mean, I'm watching this thing tick all the way down, and I could see the look in his eyes when we were passing the gas station closest to where I'm living. And he was just like, damn, I kind of want to turn in. And I was like, I'm just a little bit farther ahead on this road. And you can loop back and stop at this gas station. So I, I was expecting, I was truly expecting to be sitting in an Uber at 1 a.m. in Indianapolis while he filled up his gas tank. Yeah, well, I've never been in an Uber while they fill up. I, I usually have dodged that one. I thought you'd hit him with the, oh, no, my, my co-host is a night owl. Uh, I got nowhere to be. Go ahead, fill up. Take your time. Honestly, go buy another pack of cigarettes. You could yeah. smoke one if you want. I'll just hang out back here. Uh, arm can wait. Yeah, well, he had a couple of full packs of cigs in his trunk when I opened it up to put my check bag in there. So Bulk buyer. Yeah, we, yeah, we've had this bit already, too, where we've talked about how it makes no sense that people still smoke those, those death machines. You know what does uh, make sense, though? Buying in bulk. Yes. Buying in bulk does make sense. So that, that's the weird juxtaposition. Like I'm going to make a cost-effective decision to poison myself. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, but you know what? You know who's not making cost-effective decisions? The Texas Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit, man. Like you, I, I see people saying like, oh my gosh, Marcus Semien, seven years, blah, blah, blah. You can't just convince a dude to come to a 100 loss team. Like yeah. he just came from a 90 win Blue Jays team that would make the playoffs nine years out of 10. Uh, you know, it was a crazy year in the AL East. And now you're trying to convince him to go. And I go, I know money talks, but now you're convincing him to go to the Texas Rangers. And I'm sure he had better offers in terms of average annual value. I'm sure that there was some pushing 30, but the only way the Rangers were going to get Marcus Semyon was to say like, okay, we'll pay you till you're 38. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're going to do. And you know what? Who cares? It's not your money. And the Rangers are trying to be competitive with the new stadium in the next couple of years. We'll talk about it because I you know, want to give you a chance before we get deep into it. Obviously, building through free agency isn't the move, but this is one of those exceptions where I'm just like, this is good. This is good stuff. I'm not going to criticize an overpay in this context. Here's the thing, though. I mean, like, there were so many rumblings and transactions that apparently went final. I mean, they're going to go final with physicals pending. They wanted to get these deals done 
before the lockout on Wednesday. That's why you will see this crazy 24 hours that we're in the midst of. Today's going to be crazy too. This Monday is going to be nutty because everybody wants the deal done so they can get the physicals done on Tuesday. They can have the deal finalized on Wednesday before everybody goes on this hiatus with the lockout with the CBA. So that's why you saw this push, this mad dash on this Sunday. And it's like a trade deadline, really. It's, it's it's the closest thing to it. Yeah, because you have a deadline. You know, for, for one, there's usually only one deadline in Major League Baseball. Um, now there's two this year. That's a unique thing. It's like a, It's like a leap year, right? Every time the CBA is up and you got to negotiate a new one, there's going to be two deadlines. Um, the first one and the priority one is always the trade deadline, you know, August 30 or uh, July 31. Um, and then you've got this one that pops up once in a blue moon. So this just popped up. And my one thought on Semyon, I think you just hit everything that was circulating through my mind. I just want to expand on your money talks point. Because yes, money talks, but you have to put a lot of money in there for it to scream loud enough to bring you to Texas. I agree. And, and you know what I think also screams loud, though, is that they're not done. Uh, and I mean, we yeah. saw it. They go get John Gray. Uh, they go get Cole Calhoun. And I'm, I'm, that's not something that I think Marcus Semien's jumping out of his chair. But we know that the reports are they're going to keep doing some more stuff. You know, they it's might like go they get a Trevor Seager. story. They want Seager. So I think they told him, you know, look, we're gonna we're gonna go and get another star to pair with you. And as I wrote in our article you know, on JustBaseball.com, is that with Corey or with Carlos Correa presumably leaving. Houston, any of those guys, Baez, any of the middle infielders in this free agent market that they've been tied to, give them the best up the middle duo in in their division. (laughs) That's the best middle infield in the AL West. And it's, you know, let's say they go get Seager. Um, Seager and Semyon, not only is that the best up the middle duo in the AL West, that's one of the best up the middle duos in baseball. Who's better? Yeah, realistically, who's better? Like, that's elite. There's a lot more to baseball than that, but that's something that I'm going to watch, right? If if we have a sick, if my team, local team has a sick shortstop and second baseman, I'm instantly a lot more interested than totally. I was prior. I, that's just a very exciting spot. They have an, a dynamic center fielder and Adolis Garcia. I, this is a much more watchable team uh, that at the very least, you know, is going to put butts in seats in the most, the least opportune time to have opened a new stadium. So I think this is them trying to kind of make up for what happened in 2020 uh, or what didn't happen for them, given that they opened their stadium in the worst time ever. And they're going to sell a lot of season tickets now. They will. And I think that's what they were going for. We'll see if it translates into wins, uh, but they do have some young core pieces. They do have some good prospects. And I think that's something that, that people are kind of sleeping on. This system got a lot better Uh, from the Gallo trade, from Josh Young taking a big time step last year, Cole Wynn taking a big time step. Like There's some pieces here. And, uh, you know, I think they're heading in the right direction. Is that Jace Young that's going to go top 10 this year? Top five, I think, yeah. That's his brother? Yep. Yeah, I I always thought, because Josh Young came out the same year as Beatty, and Beatty was the high school guy, Young was out of Texas Tech. I I do believe they were the same year, and I was always thinking, okay, you know, I would prefer the college bat, but it was just very apparent that Beatty was better immediately once they Mm -hmm. got to pro ball, and now Young has taken that step up. But 
Third is probably if they do go out and sign Seager or Story, which honestly, I think they will. I think they're willing to throw this money. I could also see a world where they go and get one of these top flight starters. Like if Kershaw doesn't go back to the Dodgers, I could see a world where he looks at the Rangers and says, damn, that's my hometown. They've got a brand new stadium. They obviously want to win and they just got the best middle infield tandem in baseball. Yep. There's a and, world. And I, I agree. And you know what? He, he's going to make more money there uh, in terms of taxes than where, where he would have made, you know, per dollar uh, in great. LA Texas versus LA. I mean, it'll make a big difference. And yeah. I, I, that's something too. I think you can get away with, with giving a guy a little bit less because they're going to get a little bit more. Uh, I, I really could see him go there. Uh, I think story, the, the hometown kid too, it makes sense. <laughs> they're now kind of competitive <laughs> and, and they're, I think that they have a lot to of work still to do, uh, yeah. but they should be flirting with 500 and, you know, with, with two wild card teams now, nowadays, they'll be playing meaningful games through August uh, and, and into September. And I think that's a win for a, a franchise. that's really just trying to build interest back up again. And again, a new stadium. Uh, this is, this is great stuff. And I, I mentioned this earlier on Twitter, and, and I think I mentioned it in the article as well, is that there's been a trend across baseball over the last week to two weeks that I think has been really good as we head into a CBA where this is going to be a very large topic of discussion. And this is parity and payroll parity across the game. Well, we're seeing a lot of these small market teams start to do things that point towards them keeping their stars. Wander yeah. Franco. I don't know if it's going to be in Tampa, but he's going to be a Ray for the foreseeable future. <laughs> that is objective. Ray. Yeah, that's objectively good for baseball. The Marlins lock up Sandy Alcantara for five to six more years. That is objectively good for baseball. Marcus Semien obviously going to a smaller market team. Good. Byron Buxton sticking in Minnesota. How annoying would it have been if a Yankee or a Dodger or whatever team it was just said, hey, we'll throw 100 mil at Byron Buxton. And if it doesn't work out, we won't feel it because we're rich as hell. Like that's not happening here. We have an unprecedented contract, which we'll get into with Buxton. This is all good stuff. And, and I think this has been a very positive off season so far for major league baseball. Absolutely. And before we do get into Buxton, I just wanted to say that Semyon, the reason we're dreaming on the Rangers is because Semyon left the blue Jays. Kevin Gosman made his way to the Blue Jays. So even though the Blue Jays just lost 45 bombs, they are still retooling and they've got a really, really interesting postseason rotation if they got that buy into the postseason. Getting Gosman for 5-110, that postseason rotation sets up as Barrios, Gosman, Ryu, and Alec Manoa. That's, that's fucking really good. And anything you get out of Nate Pearson's a bonus. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, dude, that, that's a fun team. That's a fun team. I, I'm all in on moving Pearson to the bullpen personally, uh, but that's a whole different conversation. That team is scary as hell. Even with Semyon departing, one of the most exciting offenses in baseball, uh, they won't, yes, you'll feel it. I think you, you can't say they won't feel it. But they won't be that impact. Like, this is still a top five offense in baseball. And I think they're going to have some other guys step up. And, and that's going to – I mean, remember, Springer was hurt for half the year. So, and even just having Biggio, Springer – And Biggio yeah. was a shell of himself. If he doesn't suck, 
They've got that guy, Jordan Groshans, who's knocking on the door. Yeah. Um, they've got other prospects that are intriguing. This is a team that I think is really balancing the, the young core uh, that they built and now, you know, getting those last few pieces to put themselves over the top. I think the Blue Jays are going to end up being that popular pick uh, to, to win the, the AL East, where it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to be obvious and pick, you know, the favorite. So I'm going to pick the team that still is really good. And I bet they end up being one of the most popular teams picked yeah. uh, because they're just sound across the board. I think the last thing they need to do is kind of address that bullpen a little bit. Uh, but that's that's so easy to do in this market. Uh, so I'm really interested to see how they put those last finishing touches. But again, Pearson in that bullpen could kind of answer that. It's Absolutely. just been a whirlwind. You know, I a lot of the conversation that I saw on Twitter about Toronto and about Kevin Gosman in particular was Gosman was chasing a bag and he got it. If you were in Kevin Gosman's shoes and you just got DFA'd two years ago, why would you not chase a bag? Yeah, right. But also, how about this though? He turned down more money. He turned down more money from the Mets. Wanted to go, he wanted to go to a team that he knows can really win. I bet he also didn't want to hit anymore, even though the CBA could change that. Um, and also, like, I mean, I know we're seeing the Scherzer thing, and we're going to wrap the pod with that, and Peter and I are going to spend a ton of time on that with Ryan Finkelstein on tomorrow's episode. But, like, the Mets have not proven anything, and the Blue Jays have proven that they can legitimately contend because of what they did with a short staff last yeah. year. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, look at it this way. The Mets had a GM job that nobody wanted. Yeah. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks volumes of the situation there. A new manager, um, a lot of personalities on this team. The owner. Uh, an owner who needs to shut the hell up. Yeah. You want to get into that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me get, get into that real quick. Let me give you the floor. So this is something that just, I, you know, I was, I was going to react to it on TikTok and I was just like, you know what? It's Thanksgiving. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay off. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're not going to you know, be a dick. I'm not going to be a dick on Thanksgiving. I, I felt like I was just going to get a bunch of comments like, dude, it's Thanksgiving. Relax. So I was just like, all right. <laughs> so news, I, I laid Monday off. Now. And, then, and then by Friday it was over. So we're outside the statute of limitations. Steve Cohen, you're not listening to this, but who cares? My, my issue is this, you know, you, you come out and this is in reference to Stephen Matz, obviously uh, you come out and say, you know, this was awful. This was, I never had to deal with anything like this, blah, blah, blah. So unprofessional. And that was the one that really got me. It's like, I've never dealt with such an unprofessional situation here and player and an agent, whatever, but because clearly the professional thing to do as a result of that, like a professional reaction would be to take to Twitter and complain about how unprofessional. Uh, the, the situation was that you were a part of, you know, to me, it's like, yes, they might go get Max Scherzer because Max Scherzer doesn't give a shit. Max Scherzer doesn't care who you are. If you say something to Max Scherzer, he doesn't care. He, he wants to get, I think Max Scherzer realistically is getting whoever pays the most is going to get Max Scherzer. Uh, he wants that mega deal right off into the sunset. And I think he's, he's good. <laughs> I really think that Steven Matz had a change of heart had an opportunity to be in a franchise like St. Louis and decided, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to give the Mets one last chance to match it. He doesn't owe the Mets shit. They traded him away already. Like he doesn't owe them anything. 
And for Steve Cohen to pound his table and be like, you didn't give me a chance to match the offer. It's his life. It's his free agency. It's his opportunity. And I think what just bothered me the most is just, it shows you how tone deaf he is, right? Like I'm going to complain about how unprofessional this situation was by being unprofessional. And, And I think it shows you his entitlement. It shows you how disconnected he is. And this is why an owner can't be a fan. An owner can't be the cool owner. He's a billionaire with no concept of what normal interactions are sometimes. And I think that's very clear. And he's just not that likable. I think it's very clear he's not that likable. And I think it's also very clear, the last thing I'll say, is how involved he is in this front office. I think a big reason why nobody wanted this job was because they realized that they're going to have this dude breathing down their freaking neck. And if he's the one complaining on social media about the way things went down, I think it's very clear how involved he is uh, with this entire process when it goes to free agents, trades, whatever it may be. And hell, man, I don't want that job if I have to have an owner with no experience in baseball, a hedge fund guy breathing down my neck, telling me how to do my job because he's a fan and is finally living his little MLB The Show dream because he can afford it. Yeah. Aram, what league is the most player-centric league in professional sports? NBA. The NBA. Far and away, right? Who are the only two successful owners slash fans in professional sports? Mark Cuban and Steve Ballmer in there too. But Steve Ballmer, yeah, done much. So, like, you're looking at Mark Cuban and Steve Ballmer. That's it. It it has only worked in the NBA. Mark Cuban has one NBA Finals trophy to show for it. Steve Ballmer has zero to this point. Don't want to talk about. Don't want to talk about Cubans. Yeah, but here's the thing. Um, yeah, okay, Heat fan, you're absolutely killing me with our Tyler Hero bet right now. By the way. Yeah, you know, by the way, by, by the way, I, and not to interrupt your point, because I know you're about to make a great point, uh, but but an even better point, not to distract from the yeah. fact that the Heat beat the Bulls without Bam Adebayo yeah. and the sixth man of the year, Tower Hero. Uh, I love just, Bam. He's great. Yeah, he's really good, right? And you know what? We didn't even need him to beat you. Yeah. Okay. I'll wear that because I can't control what the Bulls do on a nightly basis. And it turned out that Saturday night was just not our night, Um, Mm -hmm. but we'll get back to it. And uh, I hope that the East is ours. Um, All right. Where was I at? Okay. Uh, Owners as fans. It kind of has worked for Cuban. It kind of has worked for Steve Ballmer. It's not going to work in an 162 game season in the most toxic market on planet earth. And that's what Steve Cohen's trying to do. I think Steven Matz saw the toxicity that he dealt with his first go around after the NLCS, you know, after he was that wonderkind and then people thought that he could do it again and he didn't really perform to that standard. That is a toxic environment. And by the way, Queens was super toxic before Steve Cohen ever set foot in there as an owner. It just became a billion times more toxic. And when you say that somebody is acting unprofessional um, and you take to Twitter to do that, keep in mind your finance bro shitheads that are applying for jobs on Wall Street, if they said shit like that on Twitter, they wouldn't be getting jobs because it's unprofessional. Exactly. Exactly. There's this double standard that just makes zero sense to me in that regard. Um, I do want to talk Buxton right now. Byron Buxton, seven years, $100 million for the Twins. I think Mike Petriello said this, um, and I, I loved this so much. He said, 
somehow this is a drastic underpay while also a criminal overpay at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what makes Byron Buxton's contract situation just one of the most fluid, weird, strange. You just can't really put a finger on what the value is of a player like that, right? Maybe the most talented and like physically gifted player. Like, would it be crazy? To, you tell me. Would it be crazy to say he's the most physically, in terms of athleticism, just speed, uh, power? Yes, I know where you're going. Yes, ever. Right uh, to ever step on a baseball field, ever at least hard, it, but active. I think he and like Tatis, like that's it. Like realistically, I think he's he's one of the fastest players ever, and then he also hits the ball 115 miles an hour. Yeah. We, we don't need to like split hairs into like that, but in terms of people on the field right now, he's as talented as anybody. I mean, I gave the F4 stat a couple podcasts ago uh, about how he was top. 37 i think it was in, in major league baseball and f war despite only playing a third of the games in major league baseball uh, so so that's a just gives you the context of how dominant this guy is so what's tough though is obviously he's never on the field he's only played 100 games once and how do you lock a guy up like that while also not fully compromising the future of your mid-market franchise who can't afford to whiff on a big deal this was that because the, the incentives that he got, uh, MVP incentives, are, are unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this. And really what the MVP incentives are, they might as well just be at-bats. They might, they might as well have just said you get 500 at-bats, you get $5 million. Because we know if he gets 500 at-bats, he's you finishing top five in MVP vote. Yes. Man. Like, that's I, the coolest part. It is. It is. And here's, here's the conversation that I really liked to see earlier today. And it was, how quickly does Byron Buxton earn this back? You know, how many seasons of Byron Buxton at full health get you $100 million in value? Like and the three. answer is probably three. Yeah, so like three. That's like less than half. If you play less than half of the games over the next seven years, the Twins realistically earn that contract back. They got a guy who should be valued when he's on the field right around 30 to $35 million. Like that is insane. So I think they're banking on him to play. If they have him locked up for seven full seasons, if everything works out, obviously they want him to play seven full seasons of baseball, but I think they truly feel like they earned their money back on this deal. If he plays the equivalent to half of it, three and a half full seasons of baseball. No doubt. No doubt about it. And I think it's also really important to note with a lot of these big deals, right? Like, we don't know what the structure is of Semyon's deal, yeah. uh, but I know that the final several years of, of the contract for Buxton is about 15 million a year. Let's say for Semyon's deal structure wise, average annual value is $25 million. So let's just assume it's 25 across the board every year, 25 million in 2027 is not going, that's not going to be what 25 million is now. You, know, you can pretty much scale that down about 20%, right? It's going to be, it's going to be a little bit less. So that's also worth noting. Like Byron Buxton for fifteen million in twenty twenty six, that that's a good bargain, man. That's a good bargain, even if he's still kind of teetering a little bit and only playing one hundred twenty games. It, it's a good bargain. I love that deal. I love that we don't have to worry about Buxton becoming the best player in baseball for the Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever the hell else. And you know, it's good again where you have a big draw. I mean. 
Byron Buxton's a guy you go to the ballpark to see. I love Alex Kirilov, but he's not he's not bringing butts in the seats, you know. Nope. Uh, even Jorge Polanco, he's great, but who cares? And sneaky it's, like twenty nine. Yeah, it's legit. It's just it's just not the same. So I, I'm glad because I really didn't think they were going to get the deal done. I'm, yeah. I'll be honest, I really didn't see it getting done. I saw Boston as like a Yankee. Yeah, yeah, and so now it's like Jack. What are, what are the Twins doing? Are they trying to win? They still have to pay Donaldson. Polanco is good. They have some big big league ready prospects. Like, what are the Twins doing? Are they trying to compete? I don't know. Like, like no offense to Bailey Ober, but if you run Bailey Ober out there every fifth day, like you're not realistically, you're not going to win the AL Central with with the White Sox there. You're not going to win the American League Central like that team is just too talented and you are too not talented. But if they go and they piece things together and prospects hit correctly and Austin Martin all of a sudden becomes who we think Austin Martin could possibly become like there presents this window. I don't know when the window is, but the twins are fascinating and I feel like they're not going to be successful, but I think they got their guy to center the team around for seven years. I think that's what this deal did. Yeah. I do want to run through a couple more guys. One more thought from you. And then I want to one, I want to run through, um, you know, three, four more guys rapid fire to wrap up the show. Yeah, absolutely. This is just going to be a nerdy, irrelevant point that probably very few people care about, that's but I just want to tell it. Yeah, it's just tip of the cap to the twins, right? Like they, they kind of have made some good moves quietly. Like I'm looking at their, their full roster right now. And I'm remembering like, Oh yeah, they did go get Joe Ryan. And like, yeah, he struggled a little bit last year, but I do think Joe Ryan could be really interesting. Um, they, they do have Jose Miranda, who was probably the best hitter in the minor leagues last year. And I'm actually a believer in, uh, in him being able to, to probably put it together. You mentioned Austin Martin. Oh, not only did they get these prospects, but these prospects are like big league ready or close to it. Uh, they go get Simeon Woods Richardson, who I think could be ready by the end of next year. So, so they did make good moves that I think can make this team competitive ish, but they, they need to figure out what they're doing here because like you said, they're rolling out Bailey Ober, like Randy Dobnak, like that's not going to fly. If they're going to try to be decent next year, they're going to need to go after some middling arms, hope that they overachieve in, in those, in that department, that Corey Kluber could have made sense. Obviously he wanted to go to a contender, those types of guys, they hit on a couple guys like that. This is a sneaky, decent team. Don't forget, this was a team last year that we were expecting to do big things, you especially. Uh, they could be competitive and was uh, if they can hit on a couple arms because I do really like the prospects that they have and I like the timeline on a lot of these guys. And I, I think Killeroff's going to really put it together next year. Yeah, and you don't need to look too far. I mean, just think about the AL Central. Like You've got Matt Boyd that just hit the open market. Matt Boyd to Minnesota feels like it could work. Like Yes, that'll happen. You know, like it feels like it'll happen. Uh, before we get to your Marlins real quick, I do want to talk about Michael Lorenzen's deal. One year, $7 million with the Angels. Lorenzen made it very clear that he wants a spot in the starting rotation. He also wants at-bats and innings as an outfielder. So the Angels just paid $7 million for um, the Kmart version of Shohei Otani on the same team as Shohei Otani. It's a Kimbo Otani's man. That's what I was saying. Like this is this is so sick. I I don't even care if if he could be a 100 hitter with an eight ERA 
double Otani's is the coolest thing ever. And I'm, we're going to make shirts or something with just the two of them uh, with like bat and glove in hand. And we're going to, we're just going to make this a thing. Both shirtless, right? What both sure obviously <laughs> okay good but like this is crazy I I think it's weird that Lorenzen wants to do this because he's not even that good of a pitcher like I think he's had good stretches <laughs> I think I think he's talented but it's like why be I guess why be mediocre at one thing when you can be mediocre at two hey Michael Lorenzen if he fully commit to being a setup guy could be a really good setup guy yes. But he wants to be a starter, which that that in itself I thought was a stretch. Like if Michael Lorenz is telling me like I want to be a starter, like maybe if I'm the twins, I'll be like, yeah, fuck it. Like <laughs> yeah, let's, let's try it out. But if if he's like, oh no, 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 but I want to hit too. I'm gonna be like, dude, get lost. <laughs> like, no, it, no shot. But maybe setup man outfielder. Like, I don't know. What I do know is that the Outfield situation for the Angels is interesting. Yeah, I obviously really like Brandon Marsh. Joe Adele showed some good things. That Mike Trout guy, that Trout guy's decent. Yeah, and like he's like a fourth outfielder, I guess. Bat off the bench and then starter ish. I'm cool with it. I like it. You know, I like the fourth outfielder bat off the bench kind of thing. It's just an extra bench bat for you. That's cool. I'm down for that. But. Like this guy's not playing the outfield every day. Like, let's be real. No, hell no. Um, you know, I I think it would be funny if the Angels said, "Absolutely, you're going to start games for us," and they just turn him into an opener. Like, yeah, you're going to start. You're just you're going to start one inning. You're going to go an inning and a third. <laughs> That's it. That'd be so funny. You're let's Ryan talk- Stanek, except you'll hit sometimes. Exactly. Um, let's talk those two Marlins quick. You want to start with Avi or Sandy? Um, let's start Sandy because. Obviously, that was an objectively good deal. Um, yeah. I, I do think that there's something that people are missing on that, though, right? Is like I see so many people saying like absolute steal, like fire, fire his. Uh, I, I saw so many people in the replies like fire his agent. It's really important to note that this is actually the biggest deal in MLB history of a player with three or more years left of arbitration. Like this isn't this is kind of unprecedented, and that's why I'm really happy to see the Marlins spend. Um, because the Marlins realistically and historically, the Marlins would sit there and say, why would we spend? We have him for under control for three years. Yeah. Like that's what they would say. But what the Marlins did is they said, we're going to pay you basically, uh, 80% more over each of the next couple of years, a hundred percent more, maybe in the back end, just to get two extra years of you. And that is a good gesture. You know, that is again, a good thing to see from the Marlins is like, they're like, we're going to pay you more now. Uh, so you're going to make a little bit more. We're going to skip this whole arbitration bullshit uh, where we pretend you suck. And then we're going to say, hey, we love you again. And we're going to pay you this amount of money that's set. You're good. You have it. It's guaranteed. And then there's an option for a sixth year that is at $21 million, which I think makes sense for both sides. That was a great move for the Marlins. Again, objectively good for baseball when you have a good player staying with a small market team. Sandy has blossomed into one of the most exciting young pitchers in the game. I've always been you know, super, super high on him, but I never thought he would be this good in terms of his command. He's really a special young arm, and I'm glad that the Marlins are keeping him around because it's been a lot of heartbreak of, of players departing. Uh, for for local fans um and, and you know the only other guy that they really had pitching wise was jose fernandez and 
you know, yeah. he, he, he dies. So it, it's just been, it's been a lot for this yeah. Marlins fan base. And, and I'm glad to see some, some good gestures and continuity here uh, for the future. I, I liked it. They got with the times and that was Kim getting with the times you get with the times by you, by hiring Kim Ang, and she knows what she's doing. You know, he, here's what I'll say about the general manager position in major league baseball. If you um, are not looking at young players through this lens, you're a dinosaur. Yep. And you shouldn't be a major league GM. Now, if you say, oh, we can just disrespect the shit out of them for six years, like we're going to be fine. We get six years of them. You're not thinking about the window after that. While Eric Neander is thinking about the window after that with Wander and, you know, AJ Preller, I mean, this guy is J.R. Smith. I keep saying it and I'm always going to compare AJ Preller to J.R. Smith because he just chucks shots. You just um, showed it with Frazier, bro. Like they just, they just were like, oh, all horrible, right, whatever. Horrible. That was disgusting. Give me, give me 40 cents on the dollar. Yeah, that's that's a conversation for another time there. But I mean, like he he showed it with Tatis, right? Like you're going to see it more and more. You know, the Red Sox have what two more years of arbitration with Rafi Devers, but I could totally see Heim Bloom offering Devers this massive extension just to bypass those years of arbitration. That is the Rick Hahn special. He bypasses arbitration. Did it with Moncada. Did it with Tim Anderson. Did it with Eloy. Did it with Luis Robert. All these guys are bypassing arbitration. That's the way to go to buy a couple more years. Kim Ang knows how to do that now. The Marlins have a GM that is actually competent yeah. and knows how to work in Major League Baseball in 2021. And Anthopolis, too, someone who does that really yeah. well. And I, I, that's a point that I, I really want to emphasize here because you know people, people say a lot about the Marlins front office and, and a lot of like trade decisions, stuff like that. This was a Kim Ang move. This is me. I, I presume this was Kim Ang, you know, really on the contract side pushing for this. And I'm hoping that they give her some more freedom to make transactions because I'll, this is a collaborative front office that I know for a fact, a lot of it goes through Jeter. A lot of it goes through Gary Denbo. And I think at times, you know, she does not get that freedom. And this is a great move. This is a forward-thinking move that we haven't seen the Marlins make, and it's a great start. Uh, but, you know, they committed $100 million today, man. Like, that, that's yeah. something I haven't seen ever, really. Yeah. Since. How about the other 50 with Avi? You know, it, it's tough to complain about spending money when they never spend money. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a little bit questionable. I think four years for a guy who – has never put together consecutive years. And I think you can speak to this pretty well, probably as a White Sox fan. You saw a great year from him where he put up a 130 WRC plus, where he mashed the baseball, where he was good defensively. Uh, but then he followed that up with a bad year. Uh, and then, you know, you look at every single season that he's had, it's like good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. And I just don't know if you can count on Avaciel Garcia giving you four years of good baseball as his defense declines and you're putting him in a cavernous outfield. What I do like is that he's a guy that, you know, is going to hit the baseball. He hits the ball hard. He's a high floor guy that you know should be a solid bat with a team that put a lot of not solid bats out there. I just think for a team that doesn't spend much money very often, that's a very large commitment, Jack. It's a very large commitment, and here's what I'll say about Avisayo Garcia. From just watching him with the White Sox, granted, he, he was younger at the time. Sox were his second stop of his big league career after the Tigers. 
And, you know, I, I, I sent this text to, uh, to the group at just baseball. I said, you know, we went from Avi Garcia being tabbed baby Miggy to me having to Google what team Avi Garcia was on like a couple of years ago. Um, you're right. He's hot and cold. I mean, there were some nights where I would watch Avi Garcia and say, this guy is so supremely talented. And then there were other nights where I was like, I don't know if this project is ever going to like get turned in and get an A. Um, and I think what I see with Avi Garcia is I see a guy that's worth this type of money. Now there's a, there's a ton of concern that it's two good years and two shitty years. Um, and that's based on his track record. That's probably what the Marlins are looking at right now. But at the end of the day, Avi Garcia is insanely, insanely talented. And you pay insanely talented people a lot of money to play a sport that not many people have that talent level in. Yep. So I, I think that's how you got to look at this guy. And like, were there better options out there? Was one of them Starling Marte for not much more money? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. That's uh, what blows my mind is, you know, yeah. I, and I, tw- I tweeted that out. I said, you know, I, I'd, I'd rather – because it was always it was always about that extra year for Marte. The Marlins were always worried about that age thirty seven year. I have more faith in Starling Marte in a corner outfield spot at age thirty seven than I do have uh, faith in Avasiel Garcia at age thirty five in a corner outfield spot. Yeah. Uh, that's that's just kind of what it boils down to for me. And I think the track record speaks speaks for itself. And you have a guy that's coming off of a career year. I mean, last year's F WAR alone for Starling Marte is more than the last four seasons combined for Avisiel Garcia. Uh, but, you know, again, it, it's good for the Marlins that they needed a, you know, established bat and relative to what they have, he's established, but the, the guy needs to walk more, being be honest, uh, but he still moves well. 88th percentile in sprint speed. Hopefully he could start taking better routes to the ball in the outfield. Maybe something clicks there, uh, but it's still a boost for a team that really needed it. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to complain anytime this team finally spends money. But what I will say, though, the last thing on the Marlins is that they're going to make a big splash in the trade department. Yeah. And remember that I said this because it's going to happen. And I'm hoping it's Cedric Mullins, but they're going to make a big splash. They're going to make a big trade in the next 24 to 48. And I think it'll kind of all make sense a little bit more after that. I've, I've heard Mullins, too. Um, let's end the pod with a fun exercise. One sentence, and Peter and I are going to talk a whole bunch more about the Mets and Scherzer on tomorrow's pod. From each of us, one sentence on what just happened over the last couple hours with Max Scherzer and the New York Mets. You go first. Wait, uh, what happened with them? Just one sentence on your thoughts on Max Scherzer, the Mets, like that whole thing, the contract being floated around right now. Oh man. I can go first. If you want, you go first. My one sentence thought on this right now, $42 million annually is so much money to pay a 40 year old. (laughs) Yeah. That's my one sentence. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to just say you basically, you got to bribe guys to go to Queens. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's, that's what it's come down to for me. I think it's clear. And like, he's not even jumping at that. This deal isn't even done yet, bro. Like 42 million a year, 42 at 40 
This guy should be, he should be flying in New York right now. He should be picking out apartments in Queens. Again, and they're still thinking about it. He's, like, up- he, he's shopping around like, yo, anybody else want to match this? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, are you crazy? Oh. And he's like, please, somebody like even a little, just get close to it. Oh nope. my God. I mean, listen, to bring up, uh, to bring up Lincoln Riley one more time. Like if I was Max Scherzer, I'd be canceling the coaches show. Did you see Lincoln Riley? Just like. He apparently told the guy hosting his coach's show yesterday that he was going to be um, he was going to be a couple hours late. He told him right at showtime when the show was supposed to start. And then like an hour later, he said, yeah, I'm not going to be there. It turned out he was already in Southern California. Just wasn't in the state of Oklahoma anymore. Like if I was Scherzer, if if I was offered forty two million dollars in my age forty season, I mean, I would pull a Lincoln Riley and just jump ship and be like, oh, yeah, I don't live in Norman, Oklahoma anymore. No, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. See ya. Like literally Chernobyl, just evacuate. Yep. That's that sounds good to me. I who's going to coach my Miami Hurricanes? That's the next question for the next episode. Yeah, that is the good question for the next episode. I mean, Billy Napier's at Florida. That was a good hire. Uh Lincoln Riley was a home run hire. Um, Cliff so, Kingsbury to You know where I live. You know what? I live in New York, but my where I am right now, my home, uh, when I'm home for the holidays, is Boca Raton, also known as Lane Kiffin Land, because Lane Kiffin staked his freaking claim here. No. Lane Kiffin in Miami would be a disaster that I'm here for. Um, so, you know, may, maybe we'll see Lane Kiffin uh, dawn in the U. Uh, no, man, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Lane to LSU if he's going anywhere. Ooh, I kind of like that, too. I kind of like it, too. All right, that's Aram. I'm Jack. Every link you need is in the episode description. There is also a link to Aram's article kind of highlighting the big moves of uh, Sunday's free agent frenzy. He's going to be typing away for the next 48 hours, so check out all his stuff at JustBaseball.com. I mean, this guy is going to be sitting down his venti coffee right next to him, and he's going to say, let's go. I'm not looking up from my laptop for 10 hours. I'm getting the Dan Campbell special. I'm going to be typing away, baby. You got to make the sound effect too. Two espresso. (laughs) Just disgusting. All right. Uh, You say thank you, everybody. Thank you, folks. It's 1.59 a.m. We're getting out before 2.00.